Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. We are God's sheep. You know, we dedicate this temple and we set apart this temple to revere God. Therefore, we are His sheep. I can imagine Jesus saying, and I'll show you the verse later, I can imagine Jesus saying this, you are dedicating the temple afresh to God. You revere this temple, you set it apart, but there is someone here walking in your midst who is greater than the temple, and him you are not paying reverence to. That's what he's saying. And therefore, you are not my sheep. Look at John 10.36, and it's in the NIV, this one. John 10.36. What about the one whom the Father set apart, dedicate as his very own, and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. What is the overarching summary of John 10? What is this overarching summary? Well, this is the summary. Whenever Jesus speaks at a festival, he declares something about himself and the people at large. In this instance, at the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, he is saying, the world is divided into two categories, people who are my sheep and people who aren't. People who are for me and people who aren't. People who are dedicating me, themselves to me and people who aren't. There are two groups of people then. There were two groups of people then and there are two groups of people now. Two groups and only two. It's not measured by the color of your skin, the language you speak, the nation you come from. These two categories are clear, unmistakable. Are you God's sheep or are you not? Well, Jesus says, you are not my sheep, even if you celebrate Hanukkah. And it's good to celebrate that in the right way. You are not my sheep. That begs the question, who are God's sheep? Well, let's read John, 20, John 10, 27. Who are God's sheep? Those who recognize and hear my voice. Okay. Those who recognize and hear my voice. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So I want to focus on the first part. My sheep hear my voice. Now, the true sheep of God would catch what he's saying. A lot of people say, 
I'm waiting for God to speak to me audibly. Well, I can assure you, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to suggest that I'll do this, but I'm not going to do. If I were to say, hands up, anyone in this room who has ever heard an audible voice of God, at most one, at most two, maybe more likely none. You see, we hear God speak when we establish a living relationship with Him through engaging with the Bible. That's how we hear God speak. That is not the norm to hear. It happens. It has happened. People do hear audible voices from God, but it's not the norm. The norm is to have your Bible read. The norm is to engage with God in a living relationship. Now, some people say the Bible is old-fashioned. It's no longer relevant. It's out of date. That's not the attitude of Jesus. When he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, three times he says, it is written. This is the word of God, and on it I stand. And he, he, the first it is written in Matthew 4.4 4 says this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the word of God. Every single word from that word. This wasn't the attitude of the Apostle Paul. Old-fashioned, irrelevant, out of date. Paul describes the full armor in Ephesians chapter 6. The helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the shoes of the, of the gospel, the, the shield of faith, and finally he mentions the sword of the Spirit. You notice every single part of this armor, they're all defensive. Only the sword is both defensive and offensive. If you have the armor of God without the sword, you're defending. It's only a matter of time before you lose. It's not a question of, will I lose? It's a question of when. But if you have the full defensive armor and the offensive sword of the Spirit, you won't be defeated. That's why Paul says, it's not irrelevant. It's not old-fashioned. Take up the sword of the Spirit. It is the, it is the weapon of choice of the Spirit. Some of us want to hear the Spirit speaking. Go to the Word. It's His weapon. Go to the Word. The Bible has been given so that we might believe, so that our lives might change. It's not as if we, we come here to read the Bible, to, to store up Bible knowledge in our brains and have our lives left untouched. That's not the motivation of the Bible. The Bible is to change our lives. Our lives are to be changed. You know, one of the tragedies of our modern day is this. The Bible, this Bible, your Bible is available everywhere. Indeed, it's a bestseller. But the tragedy is this. So often it sits untouched, unopened, gathering dust in our homes. James 1.22 tells us, don't just be hearers only. Let your lives be changed. Be doers of the word. 
James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Some people say, in fact, we had a friend who said this to us. I don't remember what I read, so I don't bother reading. Well, I said, sister, do you remember what dinner you had three nights ago? Brother, do you remember what you had for lunch four days ago? You forgot. Most of us would have forgotten. But what we forgot did us good. It did us good. So even if you read and you forget, mysteriously it had done you good. It had done some spiritual work in you. So read your word. Get engaged with the word. That's how you get engaged with hearing God. Here is another question again we ask. Who are God's sheep? Well, this is the second mark. God's sheep are those who recognize and reject other voices. That's by inference. If we are to hear God's voice, then we are to reject other voices. So those who are God's sheep, they recognize and they reject other voices. Now, the shepherd in Jesus' time is different from the shepherd of today. Today's shepherd hops on a motorbike, gets his sheepdog, and they drive the sheep. They corral maybe a thousand sheep into a sheephole. And uh, it's so different. In Jesus' time, the shepherd leads his sheep. He calls the sheep by name. Pastor Pavey uh, accurately pointed out last week that the shepherd would go to the sheepfold where other owners would have their sheep. And, and so all the sheep are mixed up. And he would, he would call up the names. For example, Itchy Feet. Itchy Feet, come. And Itchy Feet would go and follow. Now, but some other shepherd who would try, because they know the names now, itchy feet, itchy feet, recognizes the same name, but a different sound. And itchy feet would stay grounded. Itchy feet's feet would stay grounded on, in the paddock. Because that's the same word, but it's a different shepherd. It's a different sound. So I'm not following. We are living in an age when it's fashionable to claim we are Christian. But when contrary voices beckon our attention, we feel the pressure to conform. And then we cave in. So often. But this is nothing new. Towards the end of Paul's life, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to Timothy. And uh, he says, Come quickly, Timothy, for Demas, in love with this world, has forsaken me. Demas had been attracted by the bright lights of Thessalonica, that big city where money flows easily, and there was excitement. The nightlife was thrilling. And so Demas left, having loved this present world. The Bible says... Demas could have said 
And I'm imagining he would have said this, look, my friend Paul is languishing in prison. What's coming next for me? The same fate. I better leave now whilst it's still good for me. There is a better life out there in Thessalonica. So he started withdrawing from Paul's company. He started withdrawing. And in the end, he completely withdrew. Are you Demas? Are you starting to get a little bit of that Demas attitude? You know, when we started out in our Christian walk, we, we, were, we were steadfast in rejecting contrary voices. That's not right. Will not follow. But as time went on, somehow the objectional had become tolerable. It's quite tolerable. Everyone does it anyway. Everybody does it. It, it is quite commonplace today. We, we, we argue in our minds, and we, we, we sort of assuage our, our anxieties. Everything would be okay. But somehow when we do that, we find our grip on the Savior loosening, and those same hands were now ready to welcome and to embrace the voice that would lure us further and further into the world. You know, what should we do when the contrary voices beckon for our attention? Simply say no. No, that won't do. Say it out. No, that won't do. Who are God's sheep? Those who recognize and reject contrary voices. That's God's sheep. No, that won't do. Oh, when Jesus was tempted, he said, no, devil, that won't do. Oh, but you say, Jesus is God. He's divine. I'm but a human. Look at Joseph. The contrary voice of immorality, immorality was beckoning him. No one will know. There's no one in the house. Just me and you. But Joseph said, no, that won't do. And we need, if we are God's sheep, we need to do that. Here's the third thing. Who are God's sheep? Number three, those who rest in his perfect love. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want to focus on this. I know them. This is important. I know them. Jesus is trying to tell this analogy of his closeness with us using uh, the, the picture, the analogy of a shepherd in, the, in ancient Israel, shepherd and his sheep, that close, in, endearing, intimate relationship. That's what he's trying to say. Uh, every shepherd knows every single sheep. Now, the reason may be because that, that flock is a lot smaller than our flock of hundreds and thousands today. Uh, the shepherd knows every single sheep. Which one is accident prone? Which one is nervous? Which one is, is headstrong, obstinate? He, he knows exactly which one. And, you know, he says, I know 
them. I know exactly which one through and through. Have you caught yourself sometimes saying, wow, at my age, I never knew I could pull this off? Jesus could whisper in your ear, I already knew. He knows. Some of us would say, I never knew I was such a sinner. I, 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 never, I thought I was above this. I never knew I could fall into this. Jesus said, I already knew. I knew before the foundations of the world that this would take place. He knows every single bit. Parents having an expecting, sorry, parents expecting a child, and you catch them sort of talking. I wonder if the, the baby would have your curly hair or my straight hair. I, I wonder if he'll look more or she would look more like me or like you. God says, I already know. I know the genetic makeup. I, I know the color. I know the curliness or the straightness. I, I know everything that's to be known. I know. Now, this thing I know is so important. Contrast this. Contrast it with I don't know. Remember in Matthew chapter 7, some people were running to Jesus and saying, Lord, we did miracles in your name. Lord, we cast out demons. Lord, we did all these things. And Jesus said, I do not know you. Five virgins were wise. Five were foolish. The foolish ones knocked on the door at the last minute. Open up, Master, open up. The master opened up, and he said, Sorry, I do not know you. So, being known of the Father, being known of God, is so highly important. One of the issues with following Jesus is, we are so ignorant, or we tend to forget the fact that God knows us. Every single move, every motive, every, every danger ahead, every trial that's awaiting us, every single thing. He knows everything, and He loves us. He loves us. Some, some people, you know, Jesus tells this because He wants to show us that the sheep, whenever He hears another shepherd call out His name, the sheep would stay rooted to the ground. But as soon as He hears the voice of the Master, his own shepherd, he follows. There is security. There is that comfort because my shepherd knows everything about me and loves me. I'm secure in him. One of the problems is we feel insecure. We, someone may say, who is going to bail me out, out of this financial ruin? Why didn't God protect me from bankruptcy? What about ill health? Why did God not touch my body and, and heal me? Why do I have to go through pain, painful nights, sleepless nights? Well, I can tell you this. God knows. God would say, trust me, my child. I know everything that's to be known about your trial and about you, your past, your future, your present. Trust me. Rest in me. Do not fear. I am like the shepherd to the sheep. I will guide you to, to pasture. I'll take you in and I'll take you out. 
And the children of Israel were rescued from the tyranny of Egypt. They were led by Miriam in jubilation and dancing with tambourine and so on. You remember that passage? Exodus chapter 15. You remember that well? They were dancing and celebrating and so on because God did some powerful miracle. Shortly thereafter, they came to Mara, where the water was bitter. And there was no food, there was no bread, there was no meat, there was no water eventually. And Moses said, these people, God, they are ready to stone me. And they're saying, take us back to Egypt. And this is what the, the Israelites were saying to, to Moses. We sat around pots of meat. We sat around pots of meat. And we had all the food we could have. What gross exaggeration. Wrong. Because they had selectively chosen. They, they, had, they had romanticized the whole thing. They had romanticized their past. They had tampered with the past to distort the future, to prevent them from following God. That's what they've done. Because in Egypt, under Egyptian bondage, there's no such thing as enjoying sitting around pots of meat and, and eating all that you can. It was hard labor. It was forced slavery. They had a they tampered with the past. They twisted the past. Why? Lord, the future looks too dismal, too dim. We're not going to go following you. So they distorted the future. They tampered and twisted the past. That's our temptation. Do not ever, no matter how foreboding the clouds are in front, follow the Lord. Follow. No, no matter if, if, the bottom seems to be falling out. Just follow, follow, follow. Do not make something more negative, fearful, foreboding, dismal than it really is. Do not do it because you'll do it by tampering with the past. Them good old days. We didn't have to follow the Lord like this. Them good old days, you're just romanticizing the past. Here are two verses I want to share with us. Two verses. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. What a savior, what a shepherd. I know them. That's enough. No matter how foreboding, how dark, dim the future might look. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? No, no woman would do that even if these may forget, I will not forget you, says the Lord. I will not forget you. Behold, 
I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God says, I know you. I know your name. And in fact, here in Isaiah, he says, I have engraven your name on the palms of my hands. When I, whenever I open my palms, I see your name. Jim, Eileen, I see your names. This is God saying, not me. Yeah. So, so do not make the future more bleak than it really is. Here is the fourth. Who are God's sheep? Number four. They are those who resolve to follow Jesus fully. That word fully is important. John 10, 27 again. Those who, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And now I want to focus on the last phrase. And they follow me. Who are, so Jesus is saying, you Jews who celebrate the feast of dedication, you are not my sheep, but these are my sheep. They hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. What does following Jesus mean? Well, if you read other gospel accounts, for example, the, book of, the gospel of Luke, around the time when the Lord spoke these words, my sheep hear my voice, around this time, the Lord spoke certain words in the book of Luke, just a few weeks later. And he said this, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, thank you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. We'll read the next one too, verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce, renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Now the context of these verses, verses are this. Huge crowds were following Jesus. Suddenly, Jesus turns around and he looks at them. And he says, how many of you are truly my followers? Well, if you are truly my follower, you would be these ones. Hate your own father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. Hate even your own life. If you're not willing to renounce everything, please, men and women, Please leave. Now, please leave me. Be excused. That's what Jesus said. That's what he says. Most pastors, I was guilty of this back in the 90s. I would look down onto the hall around about service, the time when the service would start. Where are the people? Where? Have they gone to a neighboring church? And I would be trying to get numbers, numbers. Jesus is trying to thin the numbers. If you guys are not willing to fully follow, please go home. 
That's Jesus' method. That's Jesus' method. He was demanding that only those who are willing to fully follow. Now, we have today a huge problem in the church, if you ask me honestly. We are 10 miles wide and half an inch deep. That's what we are. And I'm not trying to be rude or crude, but, you know, nominal Christians, they are a dime in a dozen. So I'm not trying to be, okay? Quit being nominal Christians. In name only Christians, but be a Christian indeed. Not in name. I have met people who say, I'm, we Christians, they know I'm a Christian. We Christians, but I know they aren't. We Christians. And then he says this. I probe a little bit. I say, well, my aunt was a Christian. When I was a little lad, she brought me to the church. And so I've been a Christian ever since. But whatever he spoke, his actions and everything else, betrays the fact that he ain't a Christian. And so what he's saying, I'm a Christian. Nominally speaking, I'm a Christian. In name only. By association. I have a connection with the church. God is not looking for connection. God is looking for commitment. Are you, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, by the way, this verse doesn't mean you have to hate your father and mother, okay? Jesus is trying to use that as a, what's the word? Hyperbole. It's, it's almost like comparing, okay? In comparison to loving me, it's hate, your love for your parents and family relationships and so on. So, too many people are fair-weather Christians. What can I get out of this for me? But Jesus is saying, follow me because I'm going to change your life. Turn your life around. Turn it around. That's what it means. You know, talk is cheap. Truly, to be honest, don't be a nominal Christian. Two million Jews were poised to enter the promised land, the border, they were poised to enter. You know what God said? None of you are entering. Not one, except two, Caleb and Joshua. You know what's spoken of Caleb at least six times? It says he has followed the Lord fully. He has wholeheartedly followed the Lord. Wholehearted commitment, not just an association. Oh, I know Moses. Yeah, Joshua was my playmate. Not by association or connections. Commitment is after commitment. Only two out of two million. If you are a, where's Matt? That Matt's genius or Bruce. Two divided by two million times a hundred, that's the percentage. Now, I think, I haven't worked it out, it's probably 0.0000001% made it. Now, I'm not saying the rest weren't saved. Aaron was saved, Moses was saved. God is particularly showing that to show the significance of following him, the importance of following him the Jews celebrating the Feast of Dedication, they said, we follow God. We are His followers. We, we, we dedicate, we revere this temple. 
Here is someone greater than the temple, but you are not dedicated to him. You're not following him. Here are four tests. I think it's important that we check our own lives. Am I a sheep of God's pasture? Four tests. Number one, do I recognize and hear God's voice? Number two, do I recognize and reject contrary voices? Number three, do I rest in His perfect love, in the fact that I know them. God knows me. No matter what trials are ahead, God knows me. And fourthly, number four, do I follow Him fully? Are you God's sheep? Speaking to some of us who are viewing this online, if you do not know Jesus, yes, take Him in as your Savior, but do more than that. Follow Him. Follow Him. Don't just have signed that insurance document. I have received Christ and then forever stay unchanged. That's not receiving Christ. That's not. To receive Christ is to follow Him. We're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about legalism. We're not talk- we will always be sinners. But, and it's, it's good to say to someone, you are a sinner. Nothing wrong. You know Why? Sinners with sinners, there is forgiveness. That's the good news. I'm glad somebody said to me earlier on, Ken, I was a Christian then, but I was sinning. You are a sinner. I'm glad he did it. He loved me enough to say that because there is forgiveness with being a sinner. So I'm saying to you, if you have not decided for Jesus, you are a sinner. But there's good news. There is forgiveness for sinners. Turn to the Lord, run to Him, and follow Him. Take Him into your heart. And for those of us online, and those of us here, I know by and large, we are followers of Jesus. Follow Him. Not just in name, but in deed. Follow Him fully. I'd like us to stand up, if we can. I'd like us to put our hand to our heart and rededicate afresh today our lives to the Lord. Lord, I'm part of the sheep of your pasture. Please help me to follow you the way you desire. The way you desire. Lord, I pray for all of us here and even for those online that we will find ourselves followers like sheep with their shepherd. We will be followers. We will love you. We will love your word. We will not let the word gather dust. We will, we will follow you fully. We will be like Caleb and Joshua. We will, not like be, we will not be like those who would perish in the wilderness. So, Lord, we pray, keep us and help us trust you, even if the future looks dark and, and, and scary at times. Help us to trust you, because you know us. You know us through and through. We dedicate ourselves this day to you, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast, so you can be inspired weekly.
God bless and have a great day.